I've been gone for two Sundays, and I'm very excited to be back. And we're, we do a, when we do a series in the summer, we kind of do one that we jump all around in. So um, we started a series at the beginning of the summer, and it's about how to deal with how you feel. Because we all have times when we don't feel the way we should. And what we end up doing is we want to change the way we feel. And it's almost impossible to change the way you feel by changing your feelings. You can't change your feelings. So remember this. I talked about this in week one. My thoughts cause feelings. That's where those come from. All the things that that I've thought through, I've experienced certain things, I've thought of those things. When I think of certain things, those cause feelings. The feelings that I have, they lead to intentions. And this this is happening internally. They lead to intentions. The intentions that I have inside end up becoming actions. So it started way back with the thoughts, turned into the feelings, led to the intentions. It became the actions. The actions form habits. The habits that we have create a lifestyle. And my lifestyle will solidify my legacy one way or another. So if we want to, I'm sorry, that's just every time I look out of the corner of my eye, I think somebody's standing next to me. (laughs) If we want the legacy, if we want a good legacy, if we want it, that's probably my fault for putting that mic and pointing it at the wrong thing. I'll just preach like this. So here's what we're going to (laughs) do. It's not inconvenient at all. Um, If you want the right legacy, if you want the right lifestyle, if you want to be doing the right thing, You don't start there. You go all the way back to the thoughts because that's where it starts. So that's really what this series is about. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says this, For as the thoughts of his heart are, so is he. I like the the Good News translation of that verse. It says, What he thinks or what she thinks is what he really is. So it's not what you're pretending to be. It's not what you're looking like on social media. It's not what you look like in your driver's license picture. It's not what you're trying other people to make other people think you are. It's what you're thinking because that's where it all starts. So based on that, this series is going to try to help us change the way we think. So the first week we talked about the fact that this is all a choice because you can choose how you think. You can't necessarily choose to change your feelings instantly. It's like, I feel sad. I'm going to choose not to be sad. It doesn't work that way, but you can change your feelings. I mean, you can change your thoughts, which will change your feelings. So when you feel hopeless, we talked the first week about you can choose joy. Even in the midst of of trouble, when you're feeling hopeless, you can choose joy. When you feel contempt, you can choose compassion. And usually what happens is we make the right choice and the feelings catch up. We talked the third week about choosing humility, extremely important. Choosing humility when you feel like it's all about you. Because there are very few things that are more dangerous than pride. When we have that as a problem, when pride is our issue, it will mess up every other area of your life. Screwed up, uh, that's why Satan fell. That's that's kind of a big deal. The humility, big deal, choosing humility. The fourth week we talked about when you feel unsatisfied, choosing gratitude. That even though things might not be going the way you think they should and, and, and you don't like how they're going, you can still be grateful and choose gratitude and how that choice of changing your thoughts that way can change everything for you. And then we talked about choosing joy when you feel down and out because we all get there. 
We all feel that way occasionally, and it, and it takes us to a place that we really don't want to go. And so we can choose the right thing. So this week, we're back in this series, and we're going to talk about choosing, and this word I went back and forth on a million times, but here's the word we settled on. Choosing resilience when you feel like calling it quits. Choosing resilience when you feel like calling it quits. A number of years ago, I think about 13 years ago or so, um, there was a series of commercials that came out, and they were kind of like, they were copied by a whole bunch of places. I'm sure Saturday Night Live had something to do with it. There was a whole bunch of youth ministry people that did things like this. But there was a company that made blenders, and they came out with a series of commercials called Will It Blend? And they would put, I think he got the idea from an old Saturday Night's live skit called Bassomatic. For the, you old ones, you remember the Bassomatic? Look it up on YouTube. It's bad. Um, but I got to thinking about that this week, and I'm not going to do a will it blend. I don't have a good enough blender to do that. What we're going to do today is, as we talk about resilience, we're going to talk just really, really briefly about will it bend? Will it bend? So I brought my box with me. A couple different things in here. I don't know which to start with. You can start with this. And, and when we did it in youth ministry with the blender and different things, we would, sit, we would have people vote and say, you know, what's it going to do? This is a wooden doll. How many of you think this will bend? Yes. How many of you think it will not bend? Okay. See, it, it, it does. See this? But you know what happens if I go a little bit too far? It did bend, but it didn't necessarily end well. Let's leave these here as a reminder. We'll get a little more serious. <sighs> I would have picked it like a big iron bar, but it's like, no, I'm not Jeff Horner. <laughs> this is, this is a, a galvanized steel bar. How many of you think it will bend? And you say, yeah, but you're holding it, Tim. <laughs> it's little. Look at this. It's little. I'm not that bad. Watch this. See this? It does a little. Now, I could do this. and Look at that. I'd take my shirt off, but there's this big S here. <laughs> For stupid. Um, so it did bend, right? So it didn't break like the wood thing is. That's kind of a good deal. I'll get a little closer here um, to something I'm interested in. This, and you know what this is? Aluminum foil. I will recycle it afterwards. Don't worry. How many think this will bend? Yeah, it's, it's already bending. There's many things that this will do. It will bend. It will bend very easily. It will crush. You know, I can compress it. Now, let me ask you this. Um, if I tried to straighten that steel bar out, I could, but it wouldn't be perfect. It would be pretty hard to put the wood doll back together. Do you think I could put this back together? Would it be the same? No. No, it would look close. But for someone with OCD, it would really drive me nuts that it was not completely flat because it screwed up. So although these things are flexible, although all of these things are flexible, they're not resilient. This, take this here. This is a spring. Now, this spring, I don't need to ask you this. You know it will bend. It's a spring. If I take the spring and do this, it bent, right? It was good. It bent. I can even, not very far, but I can stretch it and it goes back. Because although it is flexible, it is also 
resilient. There's a difference. Resilient, unlike flexible, implies the ability to spring back into shape after you're bent or stretched or compressed, that you go back into shape. When we think about life bending us, compressing us, stretching us, I've been there. I have been ready to give up, to throw in the towel, to snap like the doll did. I've been ready to give up on my profession. I've been ready at times to give up on the calling from God. I've been ready to give up on on my people. I have been ready in my life even to give up on my life. How many of you have been there? It's just, it's like Popeye, you know? That's all I can stands, and I can't stands no more. And we get to that point. Here's the problem. Most of us want to give up just short of a breakthrough. Just short of the rescue. Just short of the miracle. Because all we see is the bending and the, break, the compression and, the, and, and everything else happening. And we want to give up. But if you give up, if you call it quits... You throw in the towel, you pack it in, you tap out. You will never know what was just around the corner. That's what will happen if you quit. I want to share a passage with you today because this, the resiliency idea is a big deal. And I want to share a passage that I think gives us some insight when it comes to the choice of resiliency, of choosing that. It's from Galatians chapter 6. It'll be on screen. It's also in your uh, worship folder um, with a place for you to take notes. Starting in verse 7, it says this. Paul's writing, and he says, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. And when you read the newspaper, well, you don't read the newspaper. You see the news online, or you see it on TV, or whatever. Um, There are many people mocking the justice of God because they think there's no consequences. I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. But we are reminded here, you can't mock the justice of God. Maybe for a minute. Maybe for a short time, but it says you will always, not sometimes, always harvest what you plant. Those things we do in life are planting. You will always harvest what you plant. Verse 8, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, that it's like this is what I want to do because it makes me feel good, they will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. And remember, planting and harvesting don't happen in the same season. That's why everybody thinks you're getting away with it. You sow your wild oats, and you expect to have a great crop of corn. It doesn't work that way. That's not what will come up. So those who live to please the Spirit, you're living your life to please God, you will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Verse 9, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. That means when, when bad things are happening, don't get tired. Don't give up. Don't quit. Let's not get tired of doing what, what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If we give up, we'll never, we'll never reap that harvest of blessing. We'll reap it at just the right time if we don't give up. Verse 10 says, Therefore, and I have to stop, because we have to see what it's there for. 
When he says therefore in verse 10, he's talking about what we just looked at. You can't mock God's justice. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. If you sow the bad things to your own sinful desires, you're going to reap death and decay. But if you live to please the Spirit, you're going to reap everlasting life from the Spirit. So don't get tired of doing the good things because at just the right time, he tells us you will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. On the basis of that, those truths, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to those people we really like. Is that what it says? We should do good to everyone. And I find this fascinating, especially to those in the family of faith. I find that interesting because when it says in the New Testament that they would know those early believers were Christians because of their love, it it wasn't necessarily their love for everybody. It was for their love for each other. And you, you know why I think that after decades of being in the ministry? Because it's easier to love people out there for me than it is sometimes to love the people you're closest to. Because we know all the warts and all the everything else. And what the world needs to see is they need to see us loving them, but they need to see us loving each other. This is huge. And by the way, this passage does not say We should do good to everyone, especially of those in the family of faith in your own cool little church. It says especially to those in the family of faith. So anybody who believes that God sent his son Jesus to die for us so that we could be saved, so that he could pay for our sins, so that we could accept him and become followers of Jesus and become children of God, we're on the same team. It doesn't matter what the label over the door of the church says. If they believe the good news of the gospel of Jesus, we're on the same team, and we should be doing good to those who are of the family of faith, even if they're not our particular flavor of the family of faith. It's saying that's what we should be known for. That's what we need to be doing if we want to reap a harvest of blessing. So I just want to look at three things today. Very quickly, just three things I want us to see from this passage when it comes to choosing resilience. You want to be able to choose resilience. It's found in this passage, and here's the first thing. Kind of basic, but it's very easy to either miss or misinterpret. Number one, God wants to bless you. That's what this passage says. Now, disclaimer. This kind of language... God wants to bless you. Depending on how I say it can mean a number of different things. It has been used in some ways that aren't entirely biblical. And that has unfortunately made some people scared to talk about it. Because you have the people out there who are saying, God wants to bless you. He wants to give you a new house and a new car. And all you have to do is send your money to P.O. Box. We need to, let's just agree on this. God is not a vending machine that hands out health and wealth to anyone who desires it for their own gain, okay? That's not what God does. God never says, if you do the right thing, I'll make you rich. Because that wouldn't work for like 98% of the world. We read that here in America and we think, well, God wants me to prosper. It's health and prosperity and everything. Does he want you to prosper? Yes, maybe not the way you think. But does he want that? Yes. But he doesn't promise you riches. He doesn't promise any of that. He promises blessing. 
God does want to bless you. He's a God who blesses. He's a God who blesses big. He's a God who blesses abundantly. The Bible is filled with evidence of that. My life, the lives of many people here are filled with evidence of that. Yes, there will be suffering. Yes, you may even endure some persecution because of your faith. But he promises that either here and now or then and there, in eternity, you will inherit unimaginable blessings from God. That's what this passage says. If you don't give up, at the right time you'll reap a harvest of blessing. He doesn't say you might inherit blessing. He says you will. It's promise. So, God wants to bless you. We've got to get that into our heads without all the other garbage that man has thrown in on that. God wants to bless you. Second thing, God wants to bless you in his time. That's where we get tripped up. We love the idea of receiving God's blessing in our life. I'm all for that. That sounds good. But we hesitate to embrace his timing. Because somehow we think we have better timing and more understanding than the God who created the universe and knows everything. He doesn't just know everything now. He knows everything as big, one big eternal now. He knows tomorrow. He knows the future. He knows what will happen. He knows what could happen. He knows everything. And somehow we think our timing's better. God, I think you need to do it this way. And then God laughs. See, God wants to bless you, but he wants to bless you in his time. We're like Veruca Salt. How many of you know who Veruca Salt is? Okay, a couple of you. Um, put a picture up there just so that you know. From the 1971 Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory, Veruca Salt. You can see her song on YouTube if you want. I want it now! The spoiled little rich girl. I want it now! You know what? That's most of us. We think, yeah, God wants to bless me. I want it now. I don't care how. I want it now. That's what we think. Very few things in life are harder than waiting. To just wait. In Psalm 27, this verse will be on the screen. It's not on your outline, but be on the screen. Psalm 27, starting in verse 13. He writes, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will see it. It will come. And then he says, wait for the Lord. Be strong, take heart, because that's a choice. Be strong, take heart, and he says it again, and wait for the Lord. See, that's really tough for us sometimes. Some of you are in that season of waiting, and you think, I have been waiting. I mean, it's been like days. <laughs> As I'm reading through, I've, I've shifted my, my quiet time. While we were camping, um, I'm a sucker for a deal. And uh, Craig Reardon, the guy who does my Bible study software, um, Pocket Bible, had a, a deal on a, a thing called the Harmony Bible. And what it does is it takes the whole Bible and it makes it like a story. I mean, it's just the words of the Bible. He's not adding his own words. But it makes it like reading a story. 
And there are parts in the Bible that it'll tell us, it'll tell like, you know, in the Old Testament, there's times when whole chapters are repeated because it's like history stuff. And so what it does is if it's an exact repetition, it puts everything exactly where it should be in the timeline. So you're reading the Bible just like a story. And if you read, it's like maybe 10, 15 minutes a day, um, 180 days, six months, you've read through the entire Bible. And so I'm doing this and it's kind of fun um, doing this, but I'm coming upon from the very beginning stories of people who remind me, we don't like to wait. God promises Abraham you're going to have a son. He's 75 when the promise is made. It's 25 years he has to wait. All through the Bible, people are waiting, waiting for the Lord. But you know what? He always comes through. And when you give up, you usually give up right before the blessing, right before the miracle. So it will come. And it will come, like it says in our passage, at just the right time if we don't give up and throw in a towel. Remember, at the outdoor service, which seems like forever ago, um, we talked about the six phases of a dream, the six phases of faith and how we all go through this. All through the Bible, they go through this. We go through this. And and it gets to a point where we feel like we want to give up because it's a dead end. But when you get to the dead end, that's when you hang on and you make the right choices because you know that the next thing is deliverance. God's going to do something great. Too many people give up when it gets to that point. We talked about not giving up. Remember we talked about the story of Florence Chadwick wants to swim from the the coast of California to Catalina Island. It's 26 miles and the fog settles in and she can't see the shore and she ends up quitting and, and they haul her in the boat and she finds out she was only a mile from shore. And she did it again and she accomplished it the second time because they asked her how you did it the second time, what changed? And she said, I kept the picture of the shore in my mind. I didn't give up. And God wants to bless you. But God wants to bless you in His time. That may be today, it may not be. Because we don't reap in the same season we plant. So God wants to bless you, but He wants to do it in His time. And so that leads us to number three. To inherit God's best blessing. And I think most people here listening to this today would say, I want God's best blessing. To inherit His best blessing in God's best timing, not everybody would say they want that, but it really is best. Keep giving Him your best life. Just keep doing that. See, wrapped up in this passage are what I would say are three big secrets to living a life that is content with God's blessing in God's timing. And it tells us, here's what you do if you want to have God's best blessing in God's blessed timing. Three things. Are you ready for this? Here's the first one. Live to please Him. If you live to please yourself, it will end differently. Live to please Him. It says, live to please the Spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have His Spirit in you. And so that is our primary thing. God is our number one. We live to please Him if we want His best blessing in His best timing. Here's the second thing. Live to serve others. Live to serve others. That means doing, it tells us, do what's good to everyone. 
It's not saying be codependent. It's not saying be stupid. It's saying follow Jesus and do good to others, especially those who are of the family of faith. Find ways to do that. We are to love everybody. Now, it's very easy to love people who are lovable. But I have a feeling in a crowd this big, some of you might have people in your life who are less than lovable. You know what we do to those people? We love them. We call them EGR people. Extra grace required. (laughs) When we love and serve others, we're doing what God says you need to be doing while you're waiting for his blessing. Especially those of the household of faith, whether it's in, in our fellowship here at Journey North Church, whether it's one of the other churches around, whether it's one that you have family or friends in, whether it's in a different area. That's why when I see people who call themselves Christians think that their job is to take down other Christian ministries, it's, it, it's, it used to make me angry. Now it saddens me because they're doing the exact opposite of what the Bible says. It's not like we'll know we are Christians by how many other Christians you've taken down. That's not what Jesus says. It's about loving them. It's about serving others. So we live to please Him. We live to serve others. And here's the big secret, the third big secret from this passage. Live for the long-term payoff. Because the rest of the world is living for right this second. Now, I'm not saying don't live in the moment. You need to live in the moment. But you need to live in the moment with your eye on the long-term payoff. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, keeping our eyes on eternity. Because when we focus on things that are eternal, they last forever. When we focus on things that are temporal, they don't last. And our li- You want your life to count for something. Something eternal. So we live for the long-term payoff because at just the right time, he says, in his timing... Remember, you harvest in a different season than you plant in? We keep doing that. We live for the long-term payoff. You need to choose resilience when the bad stuff is happening around you, when the, when the things are there that are, that are bending you, they feel like they're going to break you, you're, they're compressing you or they're stretching you. We need to choose resilience, godly resilience. Because we want to make it through because if we don't give up in his timing, we will reap a harvest of blessing from him. Here's what godly resilience is. Godly resilience is patiently and consistently serving others for his sake while waiting on him to bless you in his time and his way. That's what godly resilience is. And we can choose that. How do we choose that? We choose that by living to please him. We choose that by living to serve others. We, choose, we, we do that by choosing to live for the long-term payoff. It's not about right this second. Now, there may, be, there may be things that you need from God, but you've been, like, too scared to ask him. So start asking in faith today. There may also be things that you have asked for and expected and demanded of God but you've refused to accept his timing. I asked for this as a good thing and he's not giving it to me. I'm mad at him. Seriously? Decide today, I'll wait. Doesn't mean you stop asking. Doesn't mean you don't still expect it. It means you wait. 
because I believe you can do it. All kinds of different situations here. You have a job, here's what you do. You keep giving your best at work. You don't know my boss. I don't care. Keep giving your best at work. You're married? Keep giving your best to your spouse. You don't know them. I don't care. This is about you doing the right thing so that you can reap a harvest of blessing. You keep giving your best. You have kids? You keep giving your best to your kids. You keep giving your best to your church. You keep giving your best to your neighbors, to your family, to your acquaintances. You just keep giving your best because that's a choice. You can't choose how that all works out. You can just choose what you do. That's choosing resilience. I'm going to spring back from this. I'm not going to let this take me out. I'm going to choose to do the right thing. This passage is a promise. It promises that when you don't give up, you'll reap a harvest of blessing. But it's a promise to believers. Because the beginning of this chapter reiterates for like the fifth time in this book. He says, brothers and sisters. He's talking about people who are followers of Jesus. Brothers and sisters in Christ. People who have made the choice to choose Jesus. And to believe that what he did was for them to accept him as their savior. To become part of the family of God. Do you want God's best blessing and God's best timing? You know what you have to do. But if you've never become part of his family, you have to turn to him. You have to turn to him and accept Jesus, and you have to be part of that family. So I'm going to close in prayer, and as I close in prayer, if you've become a part of his family by choosing Jesus as Savior and saying, I I know I'm screwed up, I'm a sinner. We describe Journey North Church all the time as, yeah, we're all screwed up, but we're getting better. And you'd say, yeah, I'm all screwed up, but I don't know what to do about that. The answer is Jesus. You turn to Jesus and you say, but I'm really screwed up. It's like he knows that. He paid for that. He died for that. In the quietness of your heart as I pray, you would say, Jesus, I know a little about church and religion and I believe in God and all this, but I don't know about becoming, I don't know about being in your family. I want to be in your family. And you do that by choosing Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't understand it all, but I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you did that for me, and I'm going to choose today to accept that, to accept you, to invite you in to be the Lord of my life so that you will then be able to have the strength to choose resilience, to choose all those other things we've talked about the last six weeks, to be able to choose those things in the middle of anything that you're going through because you have him with you. And in you, you have when you do that, you have his spirit in you. Let me, let me close in prayer. If you bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I know there's a, lot of, um, there's a lot of people here who have already turned to you. They've already made that choice to trust Jesus as their Savior, to say that I, I can't do this on my own. I believe, Jesus, that you paid for my sin, and I'm going to trust you for that. I'm going to believe that, and I'm going to receive you as my Savior. For all of us, Father, here who have done that, my prayer is that we would be able to choose resilience by continuing to please you, by continuing to serve others, by continuing to to do those things that that you have called us to do, even, even when it's difficult, even when it's tough, to choose resilience. And I pray, Father, that anybody here who's never 
made that choice. They're listening to this and they say, I, I kind of got church and religion, but I, I don't have a relationship with you, God. That they would understand today that the, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that they would realize that by choosing Jesus, they could have that relationship with you today. They could have that power in them to be able to make the right choices so that they would be able to live their lives and not give up. And that they would be able to do that and reap a harvest of blessing. Father, thank you for all that you're doing here in us and through us. Help us to make the right choices. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. Jesus is the lamb that was slain, and he is worthy. If today was the day that you chose Jesus, that you, in the quietness of your heart, asked Jesus to be your Savior, or if you want to, please share that with somebody today before you leave. One of the praise team, one of the greeters in the back, you know, one of the kitchen workers, uh, one of the sound people, uh, anybody smiling, just share that with them, because we're in this together. We, we want to be able to do this together. And we want to be able to choose resilience because we know there's going to be opposition. We know there's going to be stress. We know there's going to be that compression and bending and, and we don't want to break. We want to hang in there and receive that incredible blessing from God. So next week, 9 and 10.30 here, 9 or 10.30, you don't have to come to both, 9 or 10.30. Um, you should come to both though and serve in one and worship in one, but that's a whole other uh, message series. And... Um, a week from next Sunday, the 25th, there will more than likely be only one service and it will be at 1030 and it will be somewhere. It will either be at the beach or somewhere else. It could even be here. But we're going to have a baptism service the week after next. If you have not been baptized the way Jesus was and would like to, please let us know that. Fill out a communication card, call us, text us, email us, whatever, um, so that we can have that, uh, the brief conversation. And, and we're going to be experimenting a little bit this year, and I'm really excited. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, loving us the way that you did, that that as we just sang, worthy is the lamb that was slain. That you were, you were killed for our sins. Father, we thank you for that. And my prayer is that everybody hearing this would have that personal relationship with you because they not only believed, but they received you as Savior. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing here. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.